They're not booing, they're Kruger, my man. Larry Kruger, are you ready to break down a game that I actually found positives in? I think you're going to be a little more critical about it. Maybe not. I don't know. You ready? Yeah, I'm absolutely ready. What's going on? I love it. We're going to take questions uh, for people that jump in for the live stream. Shoot away. We, it's we're. I'm. I personally never hide from people. I love answering any question you got. Um, otherwise, this is it, man. Locked on Warriors. Here we go. You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Larry Kruger on Twitter at SportsLarryK. You can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow and subscribe to The Kruk Show, which is part of this morning. And I cannot thank you enough for bringing me on, but it's on YouTube. It's fantastic sports content. And just simply search for The Kruk Show and hit that subscribe button, please. Larry. Uh, it's, it's so weird because to us, this is going to be completely redundant because we did a, a version of this on your show this morning. The audience, for a lot of them, it's going to be brand new. I'm going to ask you this time first, what was your take from that, that close, but unfortunately disappointing loss for the Warriors last night? Well, I mean, Phoenix knows how to finish and they're playing efficient basketball down the stretch and, you know, they know how to execute and the Warriors, have been in this spot time and time again. And it's like they 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 don't know how to execute at the end of games. They don't know what they want to do. They don't execute on a high level. And that, you know, you can win games against teams that also don't execute. But you can go up against a Phoenix team with the best record in the league and Chris Paul, who has an ability to square his shoulders and get really good looks in the last two, three minutes of the game. Um, you're going to have to execute and they did and they lost. Yeah. And, and, you know, Draymond Green mentioned this, I think in the post game, he said, you know, we don't, we don't celebrate moral victories here, but if there was ever a moral victory, I feel like that game was it simply because we learned that Draymond Green is not dead in the water. We learned that he could actually still contribute and play at a high level. I mean, the rust was there. The timing wasn't there. Are you a believer in moral victories? And what value do you place on the regular season? Because I, I don't place much at this point, but what do you think about that? Well, it depends what team you're talking about. If you're talking about a team that's never been there before, then maybe you put you put credence in the regular season. When you've played in game seven of the NBA Finals, no regular season game you're not getting up for regular season games. And that's where the Warriors are at. Yeah. You know, the, their co entire coaching staff, most of the players in the team, these guys have played in the finals. So they're just, they're wait, they're biding their time, waiting for the regular season to end. Uh, and then they're going to get it dialed up. But they've got some real problems and real issues that they have to deal with. So I don't put a lot of credence in the regular season period. I think there's glimpses in the regular season. I think we got one on Christmas when the Warriors went to Phoenix and beat the Suns. But a lot has happened since then, and most of it's not been good for Golden State. So, um, you know, I'm hoping they can circle the wagons, get Steph back, a couple moral victories in the regular season, and get ready for whoever it's going to be in the first round. But I'm skeptical that they can flip that switch. The skepticism, I think, is very valid. Um, I, 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 Me personally, I 
I'm not overly concerned about flipping the switch thing because I feel like if we've learned anything from the Warriors this year, it's that all it takes is one great game and all of the ills are forgotten. Uh, to put it in perspective, like last night's game, for example, against the Suns, if they had actually won that game, I think all everyone would be doing today is praising this team as being back. They beat a Suns team without Stephen Curry, and they came this close. Um, so I, I don't know. That That's my take on it. Uh, what, what do you think is ailing this team? Take away the Stephen Curry injury, because that's an obvious one. Let's say Steph comes back, uh, and we've seen this team for the last three months now struggling. I think at any point, if anybody wants to chat, I'll happily uh, uh, welcome you in. I don't know what iBasketball TV is referencing in terms of the huge game on Saturday. I'm guessing the Final Four, because the Warriors, I don't think, played till Sunday. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what that means. But what, what, uh, but what, in your opinion, um, what is the problem with this team? Like, like besides injuries, like, like what can they do to improve? From your perspective, as someone who, and, and again, I, one thing that's interesting about you, Larry, is I think people uh, connotate you a lot with football because you cover the Niners. Incredibly, you're a former NFL scout. You obviously everyone is considers you synonymous with the Giants between your fandom, between the decades you cover that team. But what people don't realize is that as as a basketball aficionado, which you are, you also play the game. You've covered the Warriors as long as anybody, so your insights are incredibly valuable and incredibly useful for any fan. Um, what is ailing this team, man? Like, what can they do to turn things around besides the obvious, which is injuries? Well, I mean, it's it's been – there's a chaotic feel to this team because the rotations are not consistent. They don't have their guys healthy. They haven't logged those minutes on the floor, um, you know, to, to really gel together. So we're seeing kind of – two editions of the Warriors. We're seeing that kind of the first edition with Clay and Steph and Draymond, and they're having a hard time just staying on the floor and, and logging even, you know, a couple games together. And then right. you've got this young core, uh, you know, that's really coming on. Jonathan Kuminga and Jordan Poole and Moses Moody. And yet, you know, sometimes you get the feeling like they still, like, like Kerr is not totally bought into, you know, really emphasizing – uh, his young players, because mm -hmm. he's got this older crew of players. So, I mean, they were obviously waiting for Wiseman to come back. I think their biggest issue is that they don't they're, – they're tiny. You know, they're a yeah. small basketball team. You know, you're you're leaning on Kevon Looney. You're leaning on 6'6", Draymond Green, um, to be your inside guys. And they went all in on James Wiseman, and that was fine, as long as Wiseman paid off that, um, you know, that – you know, paid it off by, by being healthy. And, but now he's a non-factor. So I've been sitting around waiting for them to react to this, knowing that they're not going to have Wiseman thinking that they'll probably pick up any number of four or five veteran big guys, but they show no interest in doing it. So this is probably what they have, what they are, which is a team that's chock full of pieces that don't fit and redundant parts. And, you know, I, will they win a first round series? Maybe, but I don't. I, I don't see them getting out of the second round. It just—I really thought when I watched them on Christmas that this was, at worst, a conference finals team. And now I'm kind of skeptical whether they're even going to make it there. Oh, oh, that is a. And by the way, I I, I have to mea culpa here. Um, they do play on Saturday. That's my bad. They played the Jazz on Saturday. Thank you for correcting me. Um, so. I, first of all, I don't think that's a big game, though. That's it's the Utah Jazz. It's who cares? It's there's what six regular season games remaining, maybe five. Uh, actually, five. five. Um, 
why do you think her and this is a huge issue of mine and and ahmed i'm going to get to you in a second here but why do you think Kerr has this aversion for playing the young players? We, you know, he he's shown a commitment at times. Like he starts Kaminga, he's started Moody. He publicly stated that Moody is ready for the postseason. He literally said that like a month, month and a half ago. What what is the aversion to him? Like why does he why is he so skittish in terms of like committing one second then being afraid the next second? Like like what do you think that is? Well, I just think it's the inconsistency of young players and that he's seeing it up close. And he's seeing it in practice, and he's seeing it on the, in the in the games. He's probably seeing the inconsistency in the way they they uh, go about their life. You know, a lot of young people. We're talking about teenagers. You know, nineteen year old people. Um, when you're that young, you know, you're going to be inconsistent. And I think he just sees the inconsistency, and and he hasn't really bought into uh, their their professionalism yet. And also, he's got a lot of you know on a lot of teams. There's a clear delineation between the players that start and the players that come off the bench. In the, on this team, when you take away Steph and Clay and Draymond, ever you know the starters, the guys coming off the bench. I mean, these guys are all quite similar, and I mm -hmm. think that there's not a clear mark of like, hey, you're the one, you're a two. So it would be nice. It would be nice if they had, um, you know, a clear pecking order, but. You've got some ascending players, you've got some descending players, and you're just trying to navigate your way through the regular season. So I just don't think he's got a real conviction that yeah. he can rely on, on Moody or he can rely on Kuminga. And, you know, I think that's a big problem. I don't think he's, yeah. I don't think that those players have built their trust. Yeah. You know, I don't think they've got a great trust yet with the coaching staff. I'm with you, man. I feel like I gave you my best stuff this morning when I was on your show. And again, people can subscribe to uh, Larry Kruger's podcast or and and show by just going to YouTube and searching the Krug Show. It's fantastic content, um, and we just did a great hit this morning. I, I quickly want to uh, one more time. I basketball, and then I'm move. I'm going to move on from you. Uh, you degree, disagree in terms of the health. We covered that, and I, and I am I agree. Like the Warriors started this season 18 and two. Uh, when they won on Christmas Day, and Larry, you and I were like just all on board with this team because they beat a, a borderline fully healthy Suns team. They certainly weren't missing anybody of importance. I mean, Frank Kaminsky, God forbid he's missing a game. Um, it, that, that Suns team was stacked. That Suns team was ready. They wanted to win that game, and the Suns went into Phoenix and gave them an ass beating. They won handily. And I think everyone at that point was very convinced this Warriors team is the team to beat for the world championship. You had a lot of national media people jumping on board and, and now we're seeing a lot of them jump off and maybe rightfully so. Um, but no, I, I still have faith in this team. And and after we give some love to NBA top shot, uh, we're going to break a lot more down because the Kaminga thing is bothering me. I'm tired of seeing Bielitsa out there. Um, I get it if it's an absolute necessity, but with Jonathan Kaminga on this roster, I don't think it's a necessity anymore. And, and, and we'll get into that in a minute, but Dude, Larry, are you familiar with NBA Top Shot? Um, no. So this is oh, – I'm so glad you said no because now I can explain the whole thing as an advertisement. <laughs> NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT 
of the NBA. Larry, you and I grew up. I'm sure you were a baseball, basketball, football card collector. So was I. One of my great joys in life was running to the local liquor store slash baseball card shop and, and negotiating with the weird-looking borderline possible pedophile behind the counter who was selling <laughs> his baseball cards. And all the prices were, were based on the, the Beckett guide. And I still have those cards. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to sell them someday or, or pass them down. But do you have a baseball card collection, by the way? Like, do you have a oh, yeah. treasure chest of your own? I mean, you know, I haven't done, I haven't collected them since I was a teenager, you know, 13, 14, but yeah, dude, I got football cards. I got basketball cards. Heck, uh, when I was, in, when I was a kid in like the third grade, I traded all my star Wars cards for like great <laughs> baseball cards. And the kid's mom called my mom that night and made us trade back. Oh no. Yes. He's like, yeah, Larry took, uh, you know, Jerry's all of his good baseball cards for a Princess Leia card. Uh, <laughs> and my mom's like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to undo that trade tomorrow. I'm like, what? Oh, oh I want, that's I don't a good want those parody. Star Wars cards. <laughs> well, your, your, your friend's parents knew what was up to put yeah. the kibosh on that trade. But today, man, as you and I know, times change, dude. And either you adapt or you die as I don't know who said that. Did Bob Meyer say that? I forgot who said that. But today it's all about NFTs and NBA Top Shot is at the leader of the of that that the modern trading card. I'm sure traditional ones still exist, but now thanks to blockchain coding, you could actually own moments, you could own photographs. Um, digitally that are exclusively yours. And NBA Top Shot is the future of what being an NBA trading card fan and just an NBA fan in general looks like. It's part trading cards, part, part stock market where the value goes up and down, and it's part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. Michael Jordan's a huge investor in this thing, as well as a lot of other big names. And if you sign up today for NBA Top Shot, the best way to start is getting yourself a starter pack. You can pull a moment of a superstar like LeBron or KD or Stephen Curry or star rookies like Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, or Jonathan Kaminga for just nine bucks. Head over to lockedon.nbatopshot.com to start building your collection today. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. He's Larry Kruger. You can follow him on Twitter at SportsLarryK. You are a legend, sir, in Bay Area sports and more. Such a thrill to have you on, my man. And you can follow me on Twitter at DogSurfRoadShow. Dude, and, and I want to uh, get to some of the, the chat questions here. Like, for example, here, or at least the commentary. Uh, this is Disraeli, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names here, saying we should have won this game without the unnecessary, not pro provocated errors of the dubs. You're right. And, and Larry, we talked about this on your show earlier, Draymond Green's costly turnover at the end. I'm still highly encouraged at the fact that Draymond Green, again, is no longer dead in the water. We're no longer talking about him off the air on phone calls and text messages that maybe it's time to trade a guy who's 32 years old with a bad lower back while he still has some value. He showed us last night he has value. That actually 
drastically boosted his trade value if we still want to trade him. But, uh, you know, so, and that turnover was not a big deal to me. He, Otto Porter Jr. should have made the cut. These two players have only played together for, what, three months? The timing will come. There's only five games, and that's, I guess, where the importance of that Jazz game comes in. But Jonathan Kaminga is a player that I think is ready to play meaningful minutes. I, and, and you're right. The player, you mentioned the bench, and you mentioned what coaches decide on. To me, the players that are in the closing minutes of a game is who the coach trusts the most. Clearly, he doesn't trust Kaminga right now. Clearly, he doesn't trust Moody right now because we're not seeing them finish games. But I sure as you know what would prefer and think uh, Jonathan Kaminga is a vast upgrade on the court over Bielitsa. The only advantage Bielitsa has is age. He, he doesn't have a lot of postseason experience. He doesn't have a lot of experience playing in big games. He just has experience. And Jonathan Kaminga is such a vastly superior physical athlete and then be elite. So they're almost the same size. Am I am I talking crazy here, man? What are your thoughts on just the general rotations with the Warriors, including Kaminga and everyone else? I mean, I like be I liked the Bielitsa ad addition in the offseason uh, because I thought it gave them a you know a big man who could shoot the perimeter shot. I mean, he's a stretch five, but um, you know, as soon as he's on the floor, it's pretty clear that the game plan is pick on Bielitsa, you know, wherever Bielitsa is, just go at Bielitsa. So you <laughs> yep. can't be a total liability on defense and teams will force you off the floor. So at this point, I'd rather go, I agree with you. I'd rather go with Kuminga and have a, you know, a top tier defensive athlete out there over Bielitsa, who's a defensive liability who, you know, you can you can have him. You know, in theory, he can stretch the floor, but he's like the third or fourth three point option on this team. So there's only certain lineups you really even want him shooting that three, and mm -hmm. he's always a defensive liability. So I agree. I'd rather see Kaminga. I think he would give you more overall on both ends of the floor. I, I I'm and thank you for saying that, man. Because and I'm gonna I'm gonna show this chat here. And this is a lot of people, man. People have such short memories. You, you brought up a a term somewhat recently, uh, which is sort of be redundant, recency bias, right? Like we only remember the very recent things and the big pictures forgotten. And, and for example, uh, iBasketball TV, who I'm giving you a way more love than you should today. No offense, but I, I want to hear some other participate, participants. He wrote, I wouldn't trust Kaminga in a game like yesterday. Suns would kill him on defense. Newsflash, they killed Bielitsa on defense. And yeah. I look, I don't know how you, what your feeling is about the splits, right? Plus minuses. I'm not a fan of it. I, I think you should take plus minus stats with a grain of salt simply because it's a team game. There are five people out there and the splits represent what one person is doing. So if you come at me and say, for example, Bielitsa was plus five and, and Kaminga was minus five. Well, look at the other players who are on the court with them as well. They're playing a huge factor in this. And with Kaminga, here's a stat, and to me, wins and losses are the bottom line, right? That's what's most important here. Jonathan Kaminga, when he finishes games, I spent three-plus hours doing this damn research to, to get this number. He's The Warriors are 23-12 and 12 when, when Jonathan Kaminga finishes games. And they have a much worse record when he's not on the floor. And so, I, I and again, this is where Kerr, I feel like, is stubborn. And, and I feel like he's just, for some reason, uh, just not, not trusting his young players. But Kaminga is... I, I failed to see him cost the Warriors a game like once. I can't think of that at any moment, but as sure as you know what, again, have seen him help them win games. That Miami Heat game last week, Kaminga was a huge part of that. Uh, the Nuggets game a couple weeks back, Kaminga was a huge part of that. And for some reason, Kerr just has this quick leash. And and the whole team in general feels, I feel like they have this like 
porcelain doll approach with their their young players in general. I just don't get it. But um, you asked me a question on your show, and I'd like to throw this back at you. Uh, who look? This is this Warriors season has not gone the way we had hoped, especially given their strong start. Um, they have a sub five hundred record since that Christmas Day victory over the Suns. Who deserves the blame here, man? If anyone, like, is it is this Kerr? Is this Myers for constructing this diminutive uh, roster where the tallest guy is six nine with shoes on? Um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, man? Well, I, I mean, you're, you're... you know, there's, I mean, certain things are just are what they are, right? And nobody deserves criticism um, in that, you know, Kerr and and Myers didn't make Steph Curry, you know, hit the peak of his career and start to regress. Um, Kerr and Myers did not make J Draymond Green's disc issue appear. You know, Kerr and Myers did not um, did not you know make the meniscus injury you know in in Wiseman's knee and didn't add and didn't cause the swelling. So there's certain things that are out of their control. Um, I, I think Myers, though, you have to blame Myers from the standpoint of. The old you you as the season was progressing, it was clear as day that they needed some interior interior player, and he just banked on on Wiseman. Well, you gamble, you know, and if you gambled right, then you're a hero, and if you gamble wrong, guess what? It's on you. And so he gambled wrong. He put all of his eggs in the James Wiseman's going to get healthy basket. Didn't get anybody at the trade deadline. Didn't get anybody at the buyout market. Didn't get any veteran big at all. And now they're the smallest team in the playoffs staring at the league's MVP potentially in uh, Jokic in the first round um, <laughs> with no way to defend him. So I blame Myers. And as far as Kerr goes, you know, I just think that Kerr is, is he, you know, he's always kind of had the long range view, which I think is the mm -hmm. right thing. But there's been countless games where, I mean, the Warriors did not, you know, they the last year they they played one way. This year they started the year with we're going to chase wins, and then as guys got hurt and the season progressed, then it's like, well, let's play this rotation and that rotation, and and as I said, there's kind of a chaotic feel to his rotations. Mm -hmm. um, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. To me, Kirk could be blamed for underplaying Gary Payton time and time again this year. Thank I'm not you. sure exactly why. So, I mean, Steve Kerr is a great coach. I think Bob Myers is a decent general manager, but this is not their finest year by any stretch. Um, I don't think Kerr maximized what he could get out of his team. And I think Myers, you know, built this team, you know, at the beginning of the year and made no adjustments as the year progressed and no additions. So, you know, you could have gotten a Robin Lopez. You could have, heck, they could have added Bismack Biombo if they thought that Wiseman wasn't right. They should have more aggressively pushed Wiseman prior to the deadline to find out what he was capable of, what he wasn't mm -hmm. capable of, and make make that you know come to a head when you actually had time to do something about it. The fact mm -hmm. that it didn't, they didn't actually press him on getting out there until there was already no time to do anything about it, just kind of, you know, in my, in my opinion, compromised their, their season to a large degree. And I think Myers has to take blame for that. And you can Dude. sit there and talk situational stuff all you want, but the bottom line is you're one of the smallest teams in the league. You were going to lean on a player who you had no reason to lean on. And, you know, 
you knew more than everybody else um, about this player, and you opted to to uh, lean on James Wiseman. You rolled the dice. You took the gamble. You crapped out. It's on you. 100% with you, man. And and I love that you brought up Gary Payton the second. I've been advocating for more minutes for him on almost every show here. I really believe he's earned the right to be a 30-minute-a-night player. There is a reason why Devin Booker was struggling with his shot last night. Gary Payton was on him. I mean, his defense is exemplary. Um, you also said something that I would love to talk about, which is that Steph has regressed. And after I show Bet Online some love, I really like to to break that down a little more. But first, I got to talk about a really longtime uh, sponsor of this program, and that is BetOnline.net. Which, by the way, Larry, I hope you pursue for the Krug Show, man. They're they're all about showing love, advertising wise, to podcasts and YouTube shows. And look, college basketball is winding down, but you can still bet on it. The Final Four is this weekend, I believe. The national championship. I haven't looked at the schedule. I think it's Monday. Um, so college basketball is determined the top teams for the final four. They're going to determine it and you could bet on it and you could get all the information you need with betonline.net. They're your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds, contests and player props. You name it. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just hoops. Bet online's your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting, which is a new fantastic facet of gambling, which I'm starting to get into a little bit here, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online. It's where the game starts. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Warriors your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow Larry Kruger, Bay Area sports legend, on Twitter at SportsLarryK. You can follow me at DogSurfRoadShow. I want to quickly uh, uh, show this uh, message because we are addressing the public right now. All you got to do is just simply uh, send a message through our YouTube uh, uh, live platform. Uh, Amit Jason, and my apologies if I mispronounced that, uh, wrote, what do you think about clutch time execution? Is it a concern? Larry, what do you think? How could it not be? I mean, how could it not be? I mean, you know, the Warriors look lost at the end of games. They, they I mean, they've had this road trip was an embarrassment. I mean, one in four on the five game road trip, they weren't even competitive in most of those games. So, yeah, I, they're at the end of games. I'll throw it to you. You watch every single game. I watch yep. most of them. What's their number one, two, and three option if they need a bucket? That's the that's another reason I would say I kind of like Kuminga more in the closing lineup. Why? Because you know what? Kuminga is a different player than Sean Livingston, but in a lot of ways, it's the same kind of thing. When the Warriors needed a bucket in several of those championship years, they would go on the low block yep. to Sean Livingston. Yes. And he would back to the basket turn around and put put up a high percentage shot and knock that down a lot. Well, what's one of the higher percentage looks that Golden State has right now? I think it's it's Kuminga putting the ball on the deck, going to the rim. And he's so hard to guard rolling downhill towards the rim. And the fact of the matter is they don't use him 
in, in, in that, you know, in the closing stretches of games. Or if he does get in, he might get in on a Wednesday night, then the game Friday night, he doesn't get in at the same period. So there's been no <laughs> consistency. So I like using Kuminga as an offensive player um, as one of their top three options to, to get a bucket, you know, because he's so athletic and he's got mm-hmm. such long arms and he's so advanced in how he takes guys off the dribble that that becomes a very Oh, Larry, I lost your audio. Uh, Larry, uh, I can't. We lost the audio of you. Yeah, and it's and I think it's based on your internet connection. We lost audio of you. I don't know if you could hear me. Uh, leave and come back. Your 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 your. I could see from here your internet connection dropped. Uh, you said zero. I think that's why. Oh, there we go. Can can you talk now? It looks like you're back. I'll be. You're back. Can you hear me? Oh, you can't hear me. So leave and come back. Just just leave and come back. Um, that's usually the fix for that. All right, so we'll have Larry Kruger back in a second. Uh, and look, I basketball TV, you keep coming in here, and I'm just going to keep disagreeing with you. Uh, putting a rookie down the stretch with lineups he's never played with before isn't going to work. Strongly disagree with you for the simple reason he's played with all these lineups. There is no one on this team Kaminga hasn't played with. Uh, and, and just because he's a rookie doesn't mean he's an instant liability. Kaminga is responsible for a lot of success for this team. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to agree with Larry Kruger right here that he is a positive attribute. Um, and by the way, Larry, that road trip where they went one and four with that one win being against Miami Heat, when, by the way, Clay, Otto Porter Jr., Draymond Green were all sitting out, all that does is remind me this team has young players beside Jordan Poole, who, on a side note, is playing phenomenally, man. The 15 straight 20 point games. You just, I mean, not, there's not much else to say about that, but um, Kaminga can play. And, and that road trip, by the way, was as much as I agree with you that Bob Myers deserves the bulk of the blame for constructing a roster that just has blatant flaws on it. And you did nothing despite the fact this team started 27 and six, meaning they had world championship aspirations. Dude, the finger is pointed at you, my man. And if, and if this is really a lake of operation and the decisions are coming down from the top, he needs to at least say something, man. Don't throw Myers under the bus and have him try to cover for you. Uh, but Kerr deserves some of the blame. Because that road trip was a mess. I mean, Damian Lee's playing like like 20 plus minutes per game. Damian Lee, I mean, like bring him in if you have no one else as your 14th, 15th guy. But to bring him in as like you're as as you're trying to win games, I did not understand that. Do you agree well, and I'll, I'll I'll say this too about Damian Lee. Damian Lee is is probably one of the guys who should have been sacrificed. He's a redundant part who should have been sacrificed for this big, but you know what? They don't want to do that because they don't want to upset Steph. So, you know what? The the one thing that I think the Warriors ought to learn from Farhan Zaidi is that the guys on the back end of the giant roster can be promoted or demoted at ease at, you know, and they're there for flexibility. The Warriors have very little flexibility because they're not willing to move Damian Lee. They're acting like Damian Lee is a star player. Like he's a foundation player. No, in reality, he's just, he's, he means a lot to a foundation player, but he's not a foundation player. He's a redundant part. And it's like, you know, I, I like Damian Lee, but I would like him more if he was six ten and could block shots and defend the rim. You know, I mean, it's if, 
No, agreed. Or if he was at least consistent with his three-point shot, where he's not he's not lighting it up one night and going, whoa, where'd this guy come from? And then the next game, he's bricking it, like, you know, almost every shot. And by the way, I, I'm just going to have to address this guy because he keeps coming here with this other idiocy. We saw against Washington when Kaminga started with Draymond, he was lost. I didn't think he was lost. He was just struggling a little bit at the, be- at the beginning of the game. But you don't just give up on a player if they start off slow. What about all the games where he started off great? How did the end result happen in Washington? They lost that game. Kaminga only played 14 minutes in that game. Give players a chance to find rhythm. Give players a chance to find themselves instead of pulling this really short leash after just 14 minutes of play. I, I and, and look, Scotty Barnes for the Toronto Raptors, who's probably the favorite to win Rookie of the Year, it's going to be probably between him and Evan Mobley and, and Kate Cunningham. All three of those players are logging heavy minutes right now. Scotty Barnes is playing, I think, 36 minutes a night for the Raptors currently. He's a rookie. He's the same age as Jonathan Kaminga. Stop with this baby treatment, all right? Like, if you are if you don't think you're going to win a world championship, you have nothing to lose playing him. If you think you have a, you're going to win a world championship, he's a 6'8 physical specimen who, like Larry just said a moment ago, can attack the rim, has a shockingly strong post-up game, which the Warriors desperately need. Because you're right, man. Ever since Sean Livingston left, they have not had a guy who can hit those mid-range shots. And that's a glaring hole in this roster. Um, Larry, you mentioned that Stephen Curry uh, has regressed. There might be some truth to that given by his own standards. I think this season, if it, if it finishes the way it holds now, he'll have his seventh highest scoring average in his career. Uh, to put it in perspective, his first MVP season, I think he averaged two less points per game than this season. Um, why do you think he's regressed? I mean, I know we mentioned on your show this morning that he, you know, he, he turned 34 recently. Uh, so I, and that, that is valid. That's not a young by professional athlete standards. But do, do, is that what you really believe? You think he's no longer the player he once was? Well, I mean, you got to remember this. I mean, um, you don't stay the same in sports. You either get better or you get worse. And we have a large sample size of this season at this point. It's almost playoff time. And we've seen, you know, last year, I, I think you made the point this morning, you know, that Steph, you could have given the MVP to Steph last year. Um, but but Maybe he's clearly not the same player. Now, I don't know if it's the extra muscle that he put on in the offseason season. I don't know if it's uh, it has to do with his personal life. I don't know if it's just age, but you know he is thirty three, going on thirty four, and he is thirty four. You know, basketball players are not. It's not like baseball. It's not like these, or even the even the NFL to some degree. I mean, there aren't too many great basketball players who are great into their you know into their mid to late thirties, and hardly any of them play in their forties. I mean, especially in the backcourt. I mean. Where who's an old guard who's really effective at 34? I mean, I just think I mean, that it's, outside of Jordan, um, I you know it's it's a short list. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, just think that, that you know this. It's pretty. I think it's pretty clear. Unless I see, unless we, you know, here's the other thing too. It's like when you hear older players talk about you know getting old. What do they talk about? They'll say, "Well, I still got it. I just don't have it every night." So I think Steph will show in the playoffs that in small doses, he can be the player that he used to be. I think he showed it a little bit in the all-star game, you know, for a game here, a game there, when he really turns it on, you know, he can be the exact same player that he was a year ago, but you're just not going to get that every night. And that's part of being 34. I hope you're wrong, my man. Because if that's true, then the Warriors have no shot. I'm not ready to say that, but yeah, I mean, you you make a compelling argument. I I I would 
like to see a stretch of games, especially with the big three together. What's your thoughts on Clay, man? I mean, he had a horrible game last night, even though Kerr's been defending him, and maybe rightfully so. They have a long history together. I mean, Clay's a huge reason Kerr is considered a top 15 coach of all time. Um, but last night he scored 13 points, one of 10 from three. A lot of those looked like they were forced. Is Clay Thompson uh, someone that could get it together, or do you think this is what we're what Dub Nation is going to have to accept for the rest of his career? You know, it's so hard to say, Cy, because I think Clay is the ultimate rhythm player, and I just don't think we've seen him find his rhythm. And you know, you, you take that long away from the that you know that kind of time away from the game, and I think it's not your your rhythm's not established that quickly, and then you change the surrounding cast. Um, and I think that contributes to things. So I think he's lost a little rhythm on offense. Yeah. And I think he's lost a little lateral quickness on defense. And, you know, let's be honest. I mean, you, you tear, tear an ACL and rupture your Achilles. I mean, you're going to be a diminished player. We all knew he was going to be diminished. I mean, only the, only the most pie-in-the-sky warrior fan didn't know that Clay Thompson would be diminished. It was just a matter of how diminished. Mm -hmm. And we still, I don't think, have a real solid answer to that. He's diminished on the defensive end. You, you, he doesn't lock people down anymore. Guys can go around him. Mm -hmm. Guys have quicker, you know, they're, they're quicker and more agile than he's able to deal with. So I think we've seen real regression on the defensive end of the floor. On the offensive end, I just think we're looking at a player who – um, is still an elite offensive player, but hasn't found his rhythm. And yeah. it may take a little while. It may, he may not even find it this year. But I think the, the offensive rhythm will come back. The defensive agility and quickness will not. I, I'm, I'm with you. That's the one thing that really – and it for some reason, it, I don't know if it was just you know uh, hopeful optimism – I was blinded by my fandom of this team, but last night was the first time I saw Clay defensively and thought, my God, this guy who was once a stopper cannot stop players anymore, man. People are blowing by him. And that's, that's a problem. Um, in your, in your opinion, Larry, let's say for the sake of argument, everyone's healthy. Steph comes yeah. back and maybe, maybe he's regressed, maybe not, but you know, Steph is Steph uh, and they have a full lineup. Who do you start in the playoffs? What is your starting five? And the reason why I say that is because I was actually starting to go, starting to buy into the notion, maybe my own notion, I don't know, of Clay coming off the bench, a la Manu Ginobili style. I mean, the Spurs, I mean, the Warriors in this, in these current, uh, in their current state, seem to be emulating the Spurs dynasty model, whereas in the early days they were more following the Bulls model, but now they're trying to prolong this thing as much as possible. As you mentioned on your show this morning, huge reason for that, the, the financial incentive of keeping the team interesting so they sell seats, but they but they still have a championship shot here, even though it's, it's diminished certainly from earlier in the season. But what is your, and maybe Clay coming off the bench like Manu might be the answer, but in your, but then I saw that three guard lineup with Steph, Jordan Poole and Clay and offensively, I loved it. That was that really opened eyes, but Draymond was not healthy when they were doing that. So when the playoffs start and everyone's healthy, let's say for the sake of argument, they are. Who's the starting five for this team? Well, I think it's going to depend a little bit on the matchup, but I mean, ultimately, it's Looney and Draymond in the front court, and it's Wiggins, Clay, and Steph, you know, rounding out the the starting five, and Poole is your is your guy off the bench. Okay, um, I probably stay with that. I think in the last, um, in the you know, I would like to see in this last stretch. I mean, the one thing that I think is obvious that it doesn't seem like it's obvious to Kerr 
is that it's a long year. And when, and and there and and guys like Moody and and Kuminga still have a lot of gas left in the tank. So I think Moody and Kuminga have to be um, you know, have to be a key part of your rotation, Agreed. you know, going forward. And I wouldn't I would sit the Bielitzas of the world. Um, and you know, I would, but that, that to me, I think I would continue to bring pool off the bench, uh, despite the fact that he, in a lot of ways has been their best player for the last month. Well, and that, and that leads to the next question. Uh, as you and I both know, it's not the starting lineup that's most important. It's a closing lineup, right? And, and that represents typically who the coach trusts the most, which is a huge reason why I think we don't see Kaminga and Moody finishing games. Um, who's the closing lineup for this team? Let's say, okay, for matchup argument right now, they're playing the Nuggets. That's if the season ended today, 4-5 is Warriors-Nuggets. You're playing the Nuggets. Who is your closing five in a close game? Well, that's really hard to say, too, because, I, you know, some of these teams that are so good as far as, um, you know, like take Memphis, for example. If you're going up against a Memphis team and they've got John Morant, he initiates so much of what they do offensively that I would like to have my best on the ball defender, Gary Payton, in the closing lineup. Mm. So, you know, that obviously means somebody's got to sit. And who is that somebody? Um you know, I don't know. I don't know. Is it Wiggins? Is it is it Clay? Um, it, obviously, it's not Steph. It's not going to be Draymond. You probably need Looney just to match up with Jokic. So it's probably – I'd like to see Peyton in there against certain teams. Against a team against a team that has a, a, an on-the-ball player who initiates offense, I'd like to see Peyton out there, you know, shutting that guy down. Guys don't even feel comfortable dribbling the ball. Um, around Gary Payton. Nope. <laughs> no, they I don't. Mean, this is one of the, you know, yes, he's half a player, but, and, and he has his own physical issues. It seems like he's always out there on one leg or one knee or, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that's, exactly what I think that's, I think that's a big issue with him this year. Why he's not getting the minutes. He's, he's always banged up. Yeah. But he's been sorry, dinged but... up quite a bit, but he is an impact defender. I mean, we saw in the Atlanta game earlier this year, he was harassing Trey Young to the point where Trey Young stopped shooting in the fourth quarter. It was like the only game all year where Trey Young wasn't shooting in the fourth quarter. And it was yep. all because he was he had Gary Payton on him. And um, Luca. So Luca didn't just, like Gary Gary Payton on him either. He was he was he was forcing switches left and right to get Gary off him. Yeah. It was it was fascinating to watch that. So so it's safe to say Looney's not your cl uh, closer, right? I mean I mean because the Warriors even in their days with the death lineup, they never had their traditional starting center finishing games for him. So I'd say hypothetically to closing lineup today, you'd have Steph, obviously. I think you have to have Jordan Poole out there. He's just playing so good. It's his time, man. And, and he's the future of this team, likely, unless they trade him. That's for a whole other show if they ever entertain that that notion. But um, so, so you got you get Draymond at your five, and maybe you take Peyton, you put Peyton on the floor and you take Looney off the floor. I mean, the one thing that you saw in the Denver game a few weeks back is Mike Malone played Hack a Looney and rode it to a victory. Yep. That's why you don't finish. You can't them. let that happen. You're absolutely right. But who's, in your opinion, uh, given Andre Iguodala just came back? And by the way, that was some great comments. If we had all day, uh, we touch on that. We've been talking for a long time. Is is Andre Iguodala your closer, or is Gary Payne the second? Who do you trust more at this point? I trust. I trust. I trust Andre Iguodala more. But um, you know, Gary Payton is a, is a difference maker on the ball. Andre Iguodala is a smart player 
who knows how to make that extra pass, who knows how to, you know, to, to be, uh, he, you know, he's played a lot of winning basketball. So I think you could always lean on Iguodala, but I like the defensive shutdown capability of Peyton. And in the playoffs, when you're going up against some of these top teams in the West that have a dominant on the ball, you know, guy who initiates offense, I'd love to see what Peyton looks like at the end of these games. I would like to see what the opposing offenses look like when he's out there shutting them down. So I think I, I would lean towards Peyton. I mean, here's the bottom line too, is that, you know, there's, there's got the NBA is filled with guys that are too young and too old. And uh -huh. ultimately you don't want to be playing guys that are too young and too old in key moments. And Iguodala is too old. And I guess you could argue maybe some teenagers are too young. Gary Payton's in the prime of his career. Correct. So I want to see Gary Payton out there for that reason, primarily. I can't argue with you, man. I'm so happy you've been advocating today for Gary Payton II. Um, I agree, dude. He's he's a fantastic player. They got five games remaining for the season. Uh, Larry, we're, we're going to do this a lot more. I'm coming on your show. And again, I strongly recommend subscribing to The Krug Show on YouTube, where Larry Kruger is regularly pumping out content. You and I are going to be doing shows live after every game. And I'll obviously be doing content here with Locked On Warriors. I cannot thank you enough for coming on, dude. I hope I hope we make this as regular of a thing as possible. We're, I'm not doing a show tomorrow, by the way. This is the last show of the week. The Warriors play on Saturday. I apologize for the ignorance on my part of the being, beginning of the show. I don't know why I thought they were playing on Sunday. But they play Saturday against the Jazz. Um, four games remaining after that. So so when we start next week, we'll, we'll begin this stretch run and previewing what's to come. Um, anything you'd like to promote besides you wrap things up, Larry? No, just, uh, you know, the crew show on YouTube, uh, check it out. And, uh, you know, the more, the merrier subscribe. It's free. We put out a lot of good content. We're talking almost exclusively Niners, Giants, Warriors, maybe a little NFL draft, but yeah, if you're a sports fan and you want Bay area sports, hit the crew show. We're having a lot of fun putting together some great stuff. We've got some terrific guests planned for next week. Oh, anybody to preview or, uh, are you saving that for the hype machine? Well, I'll tell you, we're gonna we're I'm dusting off Grant Napier, the former voice of the Kings, who got wow. run out of his job after two decades. He is resurfaced in the state of Florida, and we're gonna check in with Grant and get his thoughts on the NBA playoffs as well as the direction of uh, the Warriors and the Kings. When you say runoff, what what happened with the guy? He was the voice of the Kings, right, for over two decades. Was it a political thing? Like he started really getting political. Is that what happened? No, I think he, he got attacked by DeMarcus Cousins and they went back and forth and it was, you know, um, it was probably just a gigantic misunderstanding, but cancel culture basically canceled Grant. And wow. so, uh, you know, he's, wow. he's doing his thing and, you know, he's not, he's not near the person that some of the people, you know, said he was. Uh, I know him going back to Sac State when I was his intern and he was working at Channel 31. So he's just one of the guests that stopped by. Sam Amick will be by next week. Nice. Uh, we'll talk a lot of NBA playoffs to be with Sammy. Good stuff, man. And again, you can, all you got to do is subscribe to The Krug Show on YouTube and follow Larry Kruger at SportsLarryK. You can follow me on Twitter at DogsOrFroShow and this program on Twitter at LockedOnDubs. Larry, hope to do this with you again soon. Always a pleasure. And again, for everyone listening or watching, no show tomorrow on Friday. So the next show will be Monday. Dieter's off in Europe gallivanting i'm gonna take a day off with a wife i'm sleep deprived man and i hope you have a great day larry um always love this brother thank you anytime si always good to wrap with you likewise brother